Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Get £20 in free bets when you join today and bet £10 on any sport. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. New customers only. Minimum first bet of £10 at odds of evens or greater from a UK debit card. For £5 free bets valid for seven days. Full terms at mansionbet.com. 18 plus. Be gamble aware. Hello and welcome along to Robins at the Gate with myself, Michelle Owen. Greg McGregor from Bristol Live is here as always and we're joined by former Bristol City Head of Media, Adam Baker. Was it 17 years, Adam? It was 17 years, yes. A great memory, get memory. And we were just reminiscing about the uh, 2015 EFL Trophy final. Apparently, Adam just told me, it's was it six years to the day? Six years to the day, yeah. Time, time is flying, yeah. Yeah, and uh, good news that Steve Cottrell is back at home as well. We send him our best as always. Um, so today then, lots to get through. We'll reflect on the Rotherham defeat, six home defeats in a row. What is going on? And Dan Bentley's mistakes, unfortunately, costing Bristol City. Uh, we'll talk about Nigel Pearson's comments after the game. And will a deal be sorted out over the international break. And we'll talk to Adam about what happens in, in the international break because obviously some players are here and some are away. Uh, Danny Simpson signing as well and we'll discuss the players away on international duty. Um, so, Gregor, let's start with the Rotherham defeat. Six home defeats in a row now. It, is it unfair to say that if you were watching that performance and you didn't know who was in charge, would you know there had been a change of manager a few weeks ago? If you watched Bristol City six weeks ago and then, would you think it was still the same person in charge? I think you would. I don't think there's been a, a tangible difference in home performances. But the only thing is, I'd say, and it's, it's pretty obvious, is that he, Nigel Pearson is unbeaten away from home, strangely, but, but obviously can't get a break at home uh, or, a, or a result that's, that's not a loss. And yeah, not too much difference, I suppose, from the game when they played in December, when that was 2-0 to Rotherham then. And in both games, I thought the Millers have been really good value for the win. And yeah, I, I actually thought this City started the game OK and it was fairly even at first. But once Rotherham scored, I was in no doubt about what the, the final score, well, the, who was going to win the game was going to be. So yeah, it's, it's an, as you say, a... Uh, a record-extending sixth uh, loss at home in a row, which is just crazy. But then it is that kind of crazy season, and uh, yeah, not unfortunately another drab home performance. And when you look at the home form, if you look a bit further back, it stretches back quite a way because they've not been prolific at home for a few years now. Um, do you have any thoughts on on why this would be? I mean, I asked Nigel Pearson after, and he said it's obviously a problem, but he's trying to find a solution to that. And obviously, they don't know. What or what 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 is the cause or why it's happening? Do you have any thoughts on why it could be? I mean, one shot on target on Saturday is pretty pretty poor, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you you probably look at it and think a lot of teams would come to Ashton Gate and and sit back, and Bristol City seem to uh, struggle against that. Whereas away from home, it's a bit of a different game. Uh, it's a little bit more open and you know available for the counter attack for Bristol City, and they can profit from that but I, I wouldn't say that as particularly was was Rotherham at the weekend um, and I think there's there's probably an element of psychological as well I think back to the sort of Gary Johnson era where towards the end of his tenure Bristol City were conceding uh, always in stoppage time you know you get to the last minute and almost around the ground you could audibly hear someone going 
right, here comes the away goal, here comes, it's going to be the equaliser, here comes the, the winner for them, they get a corner, oh, it's going to go in now. And it's almost psychological from the fan base there, but translate that onto the pitch, obviously they haven't got fans in the stadium at the moment, but I think at the moment, Bristol City get to play a home game and they're almost behind the eight ball to start with. They're going into the match thinking, can we end this, this dismal run kind of thing? Um, and, and that's the kind of element you've got to snap out of and, and it might just take that scrappy 1-0 win just to, to end the run. I mean, let's be, let's be fair to Nigel Pearson. It's not just him, it's before him mm. and well before him. And it's something that's been building and building. Yeah, it has. And the mistakes really don't help the situation, do they, Gregor? Dem Bentley probably at fault for the first, maybe the second he came for as well. Didn't get a great contact on it. It's, it's, I don't like to single out anyone, but Nigel Pearson said individual, an individual mistake cost us. And he's not usually one so far to really single out players, is he? I put a poll up on Twitter before the Rotherham game because Max O'Leary obviously kept goal at Blackburn. He kept a clean sheet there. You know, didn't do anything wrong. And just wondered if he should keep his spot and in our poll 67% of fans wanted Bentley back in uh, obviously 33% saying yeah keep keep Max in after the international break could we see Max O'Leary in between the sticks again then possible yeah it's possible I, it's I mean yeah we've seen a couple of mistakes at home from Dan Bentley but he has had a brilliant campaign overall I mean a couple of weeks ago I definitely would have called him the Bristol City player of the season for myself I think he's been that good. He's probably been the most consistent player, but obviously he's he's just made these errors the last couple of weeks. I don't know if that's maybe to do with the new manager coming in even because he might have been just trying to impress the, the new boss a little bit more. Obviously, Nigel Pearson's such a strong character. Maybe that's had an, an effect. Maybe it's just the way sort of football evens itself out a little bit and you have these periods of great form and then and then other times not. As, as you say, Michelle, though, I think, Having watched Max up close at Blackburn, I thought he was, he did nothing wrong, really. I think that was just maybe one goal kick, which is being harsh go, go, going out of play. But but he was outstanding then. He's, he's never really put a foot wrong when he's come in. And I do know that other clubs are watching Dan Bentley. Um, we, we know that there's um, some Premier League clubs who've been scouting at Ashton Gate for a while and and, and Bentley will be one of those guys that they're, they're keeping an eye on. So... Yeah, maybe maybe that's even part of it a little bit and he's in the spotlight a bit more. But um, yeah, certainly for the first one, I make him as as making an error. And as you said, Nigel Pearson doesn't pick out players too often. And it was interesting that over the last few weeks in post-match press conferences, he, he has basically named those players who, who've made mistakes. So a little bit old school in regard to handling press conferences that that way and um, yeah not too sure about the second goal obviously there was a lot of traffic in front of him and difficult to get to the ball and uh, yeah I suppose if you come off your line at all then then you're asking for trouble aren't you but but yeah and uh, as you say we, we saw that other mistake um, recently in the other home game can't remember off hand was it QPR? Which, which one it was uh, pretty sure it was QPR yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah, he 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 wasn't too great, was he on the on the very first cross for Ilias Chair, Ilias when Chair the yeah. smallest guy, smallest guy on the pitch, um, <laughs> headed in, and yeah, didn't get much better. So, yeah, a few question marks about Dan at the moment. Um, Adam Nigel Pearson also said after the the squad needs to be robust is what he said to me in my post match um, when talking about 
the injuries, I said, you know, do you know, it's very early days. Thomas Callis, is that serious? What about Callum O'Dowd? And of course, you know, it's only a few minutes after the final whistle. So he, he didn't know, but he did stress that he needed his squad to be more robust. Um, you've obviously been very much behind the scenes. Looking back on your years, did you ever have an injury crisis like this? Because it's pretty much, I mean, it feels over the last couple of years that the injuries have got more and more. And there obviously is the schedule that is part of that. But from your, from your memories, do you remember anything like this happening? And was there ever a reason for it? Never to this degree uh, on the injury front. There's been illness crises, you know, that run through the team. Obviously, people catch it off another bit like coronavirus going around this, these days, really. But um, th- that was the only time where I think it was under, under Gary again, actually, where we had a bit of illness through the camp and almost half the squad went down with it. Um, but nothing injury-wise. And, and I do think... Um, although I know it's the same for every team and, and perhaps it could have been managed differently in terms of how to rehab and how quickly to integrate players back in. And I'm sure that will be being discussed behind closed doors at Ashton Gate. Um, I do think the schedule is is crucial to that. And, you know, you've got the top clubs who are able to rotate, you know, anyone who plays fantasy football and tries to pick some Man City players knows that one week Pep plays them and the week after he doesn't. Um, whereas Bristol City just don't have that luxury and, and Championship clubs don't have that luxury. So there are going to be build-up of fatigue and, and that's going to lead to injuries. Bristol City have suffered probably more than, than anyone else in, in the Championship. Now, whether those players should be rushed back, maybe they were under Dean Holden because they needed results. Um, it was interesting that with Liam Walsh, he was kind of integrated back slowly and then he was thrown back in from the start at the weekend and now we've seen Callum O'Dowd go back down we don't know if that's a recurrence of, of something um, they've, they've not really said much to date but um, to, to see the amount of times that players have, have come back and got injuries Williams of course mm-hmm. um, and to see the number of injuries I, I think it's it's in line with the number of games that, that clubs are playing almost you know twice a week every week isn't it it's, it's ridiculous how many games they've had to cram in yeah, a very welcome two-week break now, that's for sure. Um, Adam mentioned Liam Walsh there, Gregor. What did you think of him on Saturday? As he, as Adam said, thrown in the deep end, started in central midfield. I thought it was a little bit rusty um, initially, just with some of those long passes, those sort of laser-guided balls to the front guys. There was a one raking sort of 30, 40, 50-yard pass out to Narky Wells, um, looking to get Wells in on goal and it just didn't make him um, hit target. Um, but I thought he got better as the game went on. And yeah, he put in some some good tackles. He obviously picked up that yellow card for that feisty sliding challenge in the second half. And generally his, his passing was good. I, I felt he sort, sort of started running the game a little bit at one stage, um, but it's difficult to do that across the, the course of 90 minutes, especially when you're up against the likes of Matt Crooks and, Daniel Barlaze, who were both six foot plus. I mean, mm. Crooks has really stood out for me in the two games against uh, Rotherham. I think he's been outstanding. Scored, obviously, in that first game at the New York Stadium. Six foot four, real beast in the middle. And um, I kind of think he'd be the sort of guy that um, would, would really give something to Bristol City if they could recruit someone like that. Just on Dan Bentley, by the way, um, Michelle, it was Bournemouth he made his mistake against. Oh, Sorry, right. I got that wrong. Eh? That's OK. Well, you remember he... I was thinking of the QPR game when Ilias Chair headed in, but maybe that was that was a bit of dodgy defending, I think, between Mariapa and, and Jack Hunt now, I recall. Yeah, and Dan pushed in that cross, remember the junior Stanislas one, pushed it into his own mm-hmm. goal with with um, Jack Hunt in 
prone in front of him. So, yeah, a few mistakes there. But on Walshy, yeah, I, I thought he was okay. And I think he'll get better and better. Good to see him back. And I, I think, I mean, looking at the bigger picture, Bristol City probably only really need one more win to be definitely safe this season. I've, I've got no doubts that they'll get that. They'll pick that up at some point. So, really, it's kind of beginning to... to to be that we're looking at next season and in terms of that then getting Walsh fit and firing integrated into the team that, that's very important Yeah well next season is where all eyes seem to be now Adam especially when when Gregor discusses you know the position there it, it feels such a shame you know when Bristol City were competing at the top in the first couple of months of the season they're now just saying oh yeah one more win and, and we'll be safe but that is the reality of the situation looks like a, another mid-table finish for Bristol City um, what's going to be key isn't it over summer is is who they've got in charge and if you're starting to look towards next season surely they need to sort that now so do you expect a decision over this international break with Nigel Pearson they've got the new training ground opening this week as well is that something that they could do a nice little announcement in front of the, the new gates well at some stage they're going to have to think about selling some season tickets as well. And, and, and I wonder whether the, the announcement of what the, the future plan is going to be uh, will, will coincide with that and the, mm. the sort of grand new hope, I suppose. Um, I, I disagree with Gregor. I think they're safe already. I don't think they'll uh, have any issues with that front. Um, it's, it's going to be a mid-table finish. As we know, they're not going to be uh, in the playoff picture. They're not going to be anywhere near the relegation spots. Um, so you can now start to, to look ahead, I suppose, um, Nigel Pearson is making all the sounds of someone who's going to be around in the long term. It feels very much like he's had some of those discussions with the Lansdowne family. And the, I think the way he brought up the Lansdowne family, actually, and Mark Ashton, specifically name-checked them at the end of the press conference at the weekend, was quite telling as well. It's, uh, it's something that Lee Johnson always used to do quite a lot. Uh, and it's something that Mark Ashton tends to do about the Lansdowne family. So... It just has all the, the inklings that things are rumbling behind the scenes. But you want to get this manager situation sorted sooner, sooner rather than later because there's another situation brewing in the summer, which is contracts, because there are a number of players who are out of contract and key players at that um, who are going to take a bit of money to either replace or uh, sign up again. Um, and then, of course, you've got the the other transfers you want to bring in and any players you want to, to ship out. So you want to give your, your manager time to sort of plan all of that. Um, so why not get it done and dusted? If, if they feel that Nigel Pearson has settled in well, you don't have to wait until May to do the contract, do you? No. Well, he can be tight-lipped about things, Nigel Pearson. And, and we're talking about players and who's coming in recently. Um, one person we believe who will be announced over the international break is Danny Simpson and he was asked if there's any news on him and he said uh, we'll make statements when it's appropriate to make them it's as simple as that uh, like I say you can have a go where you want I'm saying nothing so incredibly tight-lipped Gregor but tell me uh, you know when do we expect this announcement do we know when and what's the logic in in bringing in a right back when really they need a left back yeah I mean some people are We'll question why bring in anyone at this stage with what eight games to go and yeah when you're looking at next year as we've just been saying and isn't it just a, a waste of wages to an extent but maybe it's a way for Nigel Pearson to have a look at another player in a kind of extended trial if you like um, between now and the end of the season they do need players in the fullback positions now and in the future obviously Jack Hunt is out of contract in the summer 
Uh, we expect Stephen Sessegnon to go back to Fulham. And you're right, yeah, they need left-backs at the moment. Tommy Rowe is not too far away, I don't think, from from returning to first-team training. But if they do sign up Simpson, then maybe that hints that he's a little bit further than, than we believe. So, yeah, in terms of Danny Simpson, he, he was on trial at Sheffield Wednesday last week and played an hour for their under-23s. He's come down to Bristol. They've had a um, they've had a look at him up at Bayland, and obviously he's worked very closely with Nigel Pearson before. Bristol City have decided to offer him a, a short-term deal. It's been agreed. He's had a medical. It could be announced at any time. The only thing to watch out for on this, and actually um, shout out to Fev's Analytics, who pointed this out actually originally on on social media, is that Bristol City, when they uh, finished the January transfer window, um, as as by the new sort of EFL stipulations that have come in this season, every club has to name a 25-man squad list. And that's uh, another way that they're trying to basically implement um, financial fair play and control costs. So every club names these players at the end of the transfer window. And and some clubs have got spaces. Um, they, they don't fill up the full 25-man squad because you don't have to name players until they reach a certain age and you have to name a certain amount of homegrown players. And for example, Huddersfield recently had a, a a place in their squad and they signed striker Yana, Yaya Sanogo. And likewise, Watford had a space in their squad and they signed um, Carlos Sanchez, mid- the midfielder recently. Bristol City don't have um, a, a, a place in their 25-man squad. They weren't able to uh, name Andy Vyman even in the 25-man squad because, um, well, they might have chosen to do that because he's out injured anyway for, and he's not expected back this season at all. And so that might be a complication. Now, we've investigated this and what we're told is that if Bristol City do sign Danny Simpson, it's going to be because they remove an injured player from the 25-man list they named. And that would likely be either Joe Williams, maybe Chris Martin, uh, maybe Jada Silva or or somebody else. And then they could bring in Simpson as uh, basically an injury replacement player and the EFL's rules on this are quite clear that you can only do it in, the wording is, truly exceptional circumstances. And, yeah, there's a bit of conjecture as to whether an injury crisis would actually um, basically be included in that. And, I mean, it, it is a pretty strange season. And right. obviously, you've got the fixture congestion and all that. So maybe that will carry a part in it. And also, as I said, these rules have only been in place on, on the squad list this season. So this could be an interesting test case as to what counts as as a, a truly exceptional circumstance. And as I say, other clubs have picked up free agents. So that's maybe not necessarily the case. But to to basically switch out a player from your 25-man named list is is maybe a little bit controversial. So we're keeping an eye on this. We do believe the deal is done. It's been reported elsewhere as well. They played to the Telegraph. They they reported this on Friday first that a deal had been agreed, and we believe that is true, and 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 that basically the signing could go through any any time now, even maybe even today. Yeah, it's Adam. When a player comes in for eight games left in the season, would you expect them to stay beyond that? Because you know, with respect to Danny Simpson, his best days are behind him. What do you think is the logic in in signing a thirty four year old? right back um, what, what's the thing behind it is it the fact that Nigel Pearson has that relationship with him I mean he hasn't played football since he played for Huddersfield last season it, it seems bonkers to me um, you've got a 30 year old Jack Hunt and you're replacing him potentially with a 34 year old Simpson 
um, for eight games when he's going to need time, as we've seen with Henry Lansbury, need time to build up his fitness and get going. By the time Danny Simpson gets going, uh, the season will be over. So you can only imagine it could be potentially with a view to a, a one-year deal next season with, with Jack Hunt being out of contract. But um, it does seem, again, it's, it's going away from the policy of bringing in young players and, and developing. It's potentially causing a blockade to an academy player um, who could step up. Um, I, I just don't see much value bar the fact that it could be for a, a potential one year next year as well. I, I guess it's only going to be to the end of this season from all the reports. Um, so it does seem a little bit odd. Yeah, it's a strange one. Uh, we'll see how it unfolds. Um, what happens when there's some players away and some players in then, Adam? Do the, do the team train as usual, just without the players that are away? And is it just a bit quieter around the training ground? What's the usual process during an international break like this? Well, they tend to give the players about four to five days off. Um, so they'll tend uh, to come in on a day like today after the weekend game, do the usual sort of cool downs, et cetera, um, recovery, um, and then potentially go and train on Tuesday for those who are still around. And then they'll give them sort of like the, the extended week off then Wednesday through the, through the weekend to come back the following week. Um, now, players tend to use that as an opportunity um, to uh, go away, go to Dubai or something similar. Um, so that's not going to be the case this time around, clearly. Um, they're going to have to uh, stick around in the UK. That's all they can do. Not quite the same weather as Dubai, but it's meant to be sunny no, today. So, you know. Um, true, true. <laughs> um, talking of the international break, Gregor, um, quite a few players away. Casey Palmer has his first call up for Jamaica. Um, Mariapa has been with them for quite a while now. Um, who else is away that we should be keeping an eye on? I guess Callum O'Dowder might not be going now with Ireland. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately looking that way. It did feel so sorry for. Callum there, as yeah, he came off in tears, didn't he? As, as we said earlier, and does look like unfortunately another hamstring uh, um, problem. And yeah, just I think that sort of leads on to a point on Nigel Pearson. A second, I just wanted to make that yeah, sure. in his post-match press conference, he, he, as you said, he didn't give hardly anything away. I don't know what yours was like, Michelle, but in our written press, um, press conference, it was a little bit spiky. And I think this was um, beginning maybe to see the, the real character of Nigel Pearson. There was a I would call that a tremendous duel between Richard Latham, who yeah. Adam will know very well, and obviously a lot of listeners from, from his coverage of the Bristol clubs over the years, and the manager just trying to drag some information out of him on, the, on those injuries. It was quite interesting to listen to, and basically fair play to Richard. He kept pressing him on where, where the, what, what, what the problem was um, with Callum O'Dowda, and Nigel Pearson gave nothing away apart from to say, Yes, leg. Yes, leg. That was it. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did he not give sort of his long, you know, meandering answers? Was it more more direct, was it? No, it was just, it was same kind of answer as it was for the Danny Simpson stuff. If we've got mm. something to announce, we'll announce it. You'll find out. And yeah, there was no information on, on Callas, no, nothing on Odada. To be fair to Nigel Pearson, there's, I mean, there's not, a, as Adam will know better than me, there's not a, a huge deal, I guess you can say, straight after a match. You, you kind of, I guess to an extent, you are speculating sometimes and um, maybe you can give an indication on how bad something is looking or whether a player has had to go to hospital, uh, etc. 
but in these um, two examples, there there was nothing that um, given away. I mean, on Callas, he didn't even clarify where he was injured or anything. He, he sort of, I think, he seemed to indicate to us that it was hip, but it could have it could have been a, a number of things with Callas. And yeah, he, as I say, he, he basically batted a few questions away, and fair, fair play to him, maybe because. Maybe this is an indication of of that he's the sort of guy who just hates to lose, and we're gonna we're gonna see this in his in his post match press conferences, and maybe it's something he wants to rub off on the on the squad. Um, but yeah, and in terms of international players, yeah, it's Casey and, and Adrian Mariapa have gone away with Jamaica playing in Austria, aren't they? In that game that's been moved against the United States, the one to watch out for for me is. Uh, Famari Jeju. I'm sure we're going to hear something about this maybe later today or the next couple of days. He's been called up by the Senegal squad and mm. they have two matches in Africa in one of the countries is Eswatini, which is on the red listed areas, um, sorry, countries that you can't, that if you visit, then you must um, uh, quarantine for a certain amount of days. And FIFA have said that clubs are able to stop players from attending games in those countries. So right. Bristol City might have a decision to make there. Uh, and yeah, the other country was Congo, which is not on the red list, but the Democratic Republic of Congo, if you know your Congo countries, is on the <laughs> red list. So um, I'm not. It would depend on his travel route, possibly for for that game. So I'm not too sure if if Deju basically is going to link up with Senegal. We hope to get some clarity on that very soon. Um, Adam, what do you make of Famara Jeju this season? Because he hasn't signed the new contract that was reportedly offered to him. So the days are just ticking down on his current deal. Do you think he'll stay in summer? And You must have seen this sort of situation unfold in your time with the club before. Well, plenty of times. And, um, you know, the main arts of this world and, and you just know ultimately they're going to go. Um, I can't see any reason now why Famara Jeju will sign a new deal. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if his agent's already got the club in mind that he wants to move him to. I know Middlesbrough have been linked long term, but I know he's also had uh, interest in Turkey and other countries as well. So the world is his oyster in the summer and, and it's kind of his prerogative where he goes. And I can't see it being remaining at Ashton Gate. As far as his season's concerned, I think he was a little bit unfortunate early on in the campaign not to be playing regularly. He was on the bench quite a lot. Bearing in mind, he's been top scorer for the past two seasons. He's also been pushed wide a few times. Um, they've liked to place the menu through the middle every now and again, so he'll get pushed wide. And I'm not sure that suits him one bit. Um, I've, I've always felt that Fam perhaps works better as a, a two up front as well. And, and with the formation Bristol City are playing, perhaps that doesn't help him at all. I, I've seen plenty of the comments that... You know, he's uh, he's given up the ghost for us and, you know, he's not putting it in. Um, I disagree wholeheartedly with that. I just don't think he's in good form at the moment. And, and unfortunately, Bristol is suffering because of that. Can, I, you, ask Dan, sorry, go on, can go I ask Adam a question? Sorry, you, just of course you can, yes. <laughs> Adam, does it, is there any similarity at all? Probably not with, um, obviously, the Luke Freeman situation a few years ago. He was reaching the end of his contract, wasn't he? And he obviously left in that January and... Um, I think there were maybe a few shenanigans that went on behind the scenes and he, he, he left for a, a pretty knockdown fee, I think, in the end. But does it remind you at all of that situation? I, I guess not not too much, but... 
Well, I think obviously Bristol had the opportunity if they wanted to, to try and push Famara towards the exit door in January and get something back. But the intimation from the from the very top, uh, as we found out from Steve Lansdowne, was no, we're going to play and we're going to get value from on the pitch. Um, with Freeman, Freeman reminds me more of the Walsh situation because, you know, Bristol City were very confident about Luke Freeman signing a new contract um, and then sort of claimed, um, as Mark Ashton did at the time in, in the media, that um, the goalposts had been changed by the Freeman camp. Well, if you talk to the Freeman camp, um, they, they tell a very different story. Um, so there was kind of conflict on that front. And, and in the end, it was decided to get the value out of Luke Freeman from selling him rather than value on the pitch. Now they've gone into a different route with, with Jeju, but they're going to have a very similar situation with Liam Walsh coming up as well, because the intimation, again, uh, from, from Mark Ashton is that Liam Walsh will definitely sign a new contract. Um, you know, he's sort of looked me in the whites of the eyes. I think he told Jeff Twenyman, didn't he, um, that Walsh would sign a new deal. He still hasn't. Um, and what's going to happen? When's that going to happen? Is it going to happen? Um, I think Bristol City's remain confident that Walsh will sign a new deal. Um, but I think it remains to be seen. Until that ink is on the paper and it's dry... Um, I think you have to you have to be a bit cautious, and and I think the Luke Freeman situation tells you all that. There's a lot to tie up, isn't there, Gregor? I mean, do you think some of these players might be waiting to see who is in charge next season? I think I think there always is a little bit of a case of that, and especially with you know, obviously Nigel Pearson hasn't signed that long term deal yet. And just picking up on what Adam said there, I think he's spot on. I think. We, as a Bristol City fan, I think you've got to trust, put your trust in Mark Ashton that he's learned from that first experience with Luke Freeman. And yeah, I think the club was confident that maybe he was going to sign a new deal then. And it, as Adam says, it's the same situation with Liam Walsh now. So hopefully the club has learned from that first time around. And, and that, yeah, it, everything's going to be signed off. Because if it happens again, I think you'd have to ask big question marks of, of the of the senior hierarchy at the club. So, yeah, watch and see on that front. In terms of Deju, yeah, I mean, we, we've done some digging on that recently. We know that there is interest in him. There is going to be... A, it's such a difficult one, that, because from what we've reported previously, and, and it's kind of just fairly logical that he's going to be asking for a, a big contract. But but is there, has he really done enough to earn that? I mean, his, his goal-scoring rate isn't really sort of upper echelons of the of the championship uh, from the probably the, the likely um, fees you'd have to fork out. Is he the sort of player that you're going to build around that's not going to guarantee you promotion, but guarantee you to be in that race? Would that money be better spent elsewhere? Um, it's, I, I genuinely think it's a very, very difficult question to answer all round, not from the club side, from the fan side and from fan side as well. Is he, is he better off um, going elsewhere? I know that he's he very much likes the southwest, so um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, just before we go, then Adam, um, from the outside looking in now, after seventeen years with the club, how close do you think they are to fulfilling their Premier League ambition? Because you know the inner workings of how it worked a couple of years ago, a new training ground being opened um, over the international break. But it's been a bit of a disappointing season, although it's been a season in exceptional circumstances. So, how close is is that dream, would you say? I think with every year it gets it gets closer for Bristol City because as you say, they've you know, they've been building towards the stadium, then the training ground on the pitch, you see more academy players coming through, you see a lot of high value players. 
Um, and if anything, this summer could be pretty crucial to where they go next. And if they do make that next step, because Steve Lansing kind of intimated um, around the Nigel Pearson arrival that everything has worked out quite well with FFP for Bristol City this summer. And this summer could be a chance for the the new person, whoever they could be, and that could be Nigel Pearson, to actually be able to do some quite serious recruitment without any issues for Bristol City from an FFP point of view. Um, and also the fact that they've got players out of contract, um, you know, quite a considerable amount of players out of contract. Therefore, you can try and reshape the squad. You know, you go back to Lee Johnson, he wanted three transfer windows and then it became a few more transfer windows. Whereas in this time, because of the churn of the players who are out of contract and the, and the ability to go and sign players, there could be a good opportunity to change in one transfer window or maybe two with the January window. So um, it's, a, it's a good summer. It could be an interesting summer for Bristol City fans. Um, they'll all be itching to get back to the stadium, of course, as well in, in the new season. Fingers crossed that goes ahead. Um, but I, I, I do feel like it could be a bit of a, a crossroads moment um, with everything the, the way things are developing, but they're not they're not massively far away. They're a mid table championship side, and if you go back to you know when I I joined um, in in two thousand and one in a, an Ashton Gate that looks nothing like it is now, the training ground um, in a different spot on a a bare hill, um, the players then in in League One and struggling to get out of League One, um, you know the third tier of English football, whereas now they're you know almost disappointed to be mid-table in the championship. The club has come a very long way in the last 20 years, but now it just needs someone like a a Nigel Pearson um, to take them that next step. Yeah, absolutely. A very good summary. Thank you very much. And thanks for coming on the podcast this week, Adam. Really appreciate you joining us. And as always, thanks to Gregor and thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next week then, uh, previewing the Stoke game, Canberra City end this dire run of home form and then it's Coventry away on Easter Monday. We'll be back for that. Have a great week and thanks for listening. Robins at the Gate. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet. Your favourite place to bet. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. 18 plus. Be gamble aware. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts.